Hi, it's Steph. Welcome back to the podcast series, What You Didn't Know. I'm so excited to introduce today's guest, professional snake catcher Sean Cade from Australian Snake Catchers. He's got some fascinating stories to share with us today from his line of work. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Steph. Great to be here. Um, Thanks for the opportunity to just discuss a little bit of snakes and reptiles and get a little bit of information out to the general public. Of course. In fact, just before we get started, I did want to point out that we are literally sitting around many, many snakes and reptiles. How many do you have here? I've got 32 snakes. I've got a a various number of lizards too. It's about 17 is the count now. So um, I like all animals. So, you know, we've got a few other pets, like domesticated pets, uh, (laughs) other than reptiles, like four cats and one dog. Oh, cool. So a bit of a, a mix of everything here. Now, I'm so interested to know how do you get into snake catching how does that happen okay so when my kids were born which is um, my eldest is 22 and my second son's 18 so I got into wildlife so I was doing wildlife rescue kangaroos and possums and that sort of stuff birds and things Uh, and I've always had a fascination with reptiles so I got involved with reptiles um, through a wildlife organization and got onto the training team But for some reason, people that don't have the passion that I have for reptiles would rather do the furry stuff. Kangaroos and possums and koalas, they're all furry and cute and cuddly and all that sort of stuff. So the snakes got left behind. So because no one wanted to go and rescue them, I thought that's an opportunity for me to start my own business. And the rest is history, pretty much. It's been about 25 years now that I've been doing it. I've roped my wife into it and my sons. So it's kind of a family business. So it's um, it's worked out quite well. We get to spend a bit more time to it with each other and or vice versa. I get to go out and not spend time with them. But, you know, that has its uh, advantages and disadvantages, I guess. So being a snake catcher, I imagine it's pretty dangerous on the job or it can be. I know when I rang you last week, I asked if I'd got you at a bad time and you said that I didn't, but it, it would be a bad time if you were in the middle of catching a brown snake. So what sort of situations have you found yourself in on the job? Well, I mean, ultimately, there's every scenario you can think of where a snake could possibly be. Car engines, uh, inside the car, uh, in a roof, uh, and they don't all have to be venomous. Under houses is um, quite tricky with red belly black snakes and eastern brown snakes um, especially if they're you know above a meter because it's problematic there's not a lot of room under there and things like that but you know laundry kitchen bathroom um, dishwasher all these sort of areas behind the tv just pretty much any scenario you can think of sheds garages uh, i'm sure that some people just ring me to come out and clean out their garage so i just go to some garages that are just full of stuff and you don't predominantly find a snake but anyway it doesn't mean it wasn't in there in the first place but some of the hairy ones you know i've been under cars where the snake has gone on top of the fuel tank which is quite tight to the bottom of the car so you have to sort of reach in there with your hands and things like that because you can't see and sometimes i use uh, i don't often use a hook anymore it's just i find it invasive for the snake so i use coat hangers and different things like that to move stuff around and generally you can hear them moving around depending on where they are but there's been occasions where you know they've been under a car and i drag them out from a certain whether it's off the gearbox or off the off the fuel tank and they drop down and land on my chest 
you know, I saw him face to face with either a red belly black snake or an eastern brown snake and so you have to know the snake I can normally read after 25 years I can generally read a snake's behavior or temperament um, as to how they're feeling at that particular time obviously once I drag them from underneath the car they're not real happy um, but thankfully I haven't had too many close calls obviously being a professional it's my job to make sure that everybody else is safe so i put myself in a situation where if anybody's going to get bitten it's probably better if i get bitten than the general public then you have you know your roof situations as well some roof spaces are quite tight there's lots of bearers and trusses and i don't know the technical terms of building a house but there's not a lot of room up there from time to time and um you know pythons and goannas and things get in the roofs so one you don't want to get bitten up in the roof and two you don't want to fall through the roof um, because that can be problematic as well but you know there's I've, I've been face to face with some pretty dangerous snakes under under houses is probably my most dangerous situation because you are confined there's a lot of debris and things like that under houses whether they store stuff under there or it's just rubble and bricks and rocks and things like that and I've been commando style on my stomach and elbows and face to face with a five foot red belly black snake and eastern browns and things and i've had to press myself up against the bottom of the house where there's still only maybe five to ten centimeters gap and i feel the snake slide along underneath me to to try and get out so then i've got to spin around and chase it on the way out and all that sort of stuff and it's it definitely gets the adrenaline going but if you understand and appreciate from the snake's perspective it's generally pretty safe for everybody concerned because i have to consider the snake's welfare as well so because i don't want to just go in there and harm the snake either yeah. uh, and they're only trying to get away and i'm trying to catch it so um the general rule is that 80 to 85 percent of people are bitten by a snake either trying to catch it or trying to kill it so i always say to people if you don't do one of those two things try to catch it or try to kill it you reduce your your chance of being bitten by 85%. Now, I understand you have been bitten before. How did that go down? Yeah, I often um, I often get that question. I've been bitten once, uh, never envenomated by a, by a venomous snake. Probably been bitten maybe half a dozen times by a python, but the one mistake that I did make with a red-bellied black snake uh, was 2013. I had two snakes at the same time. One was four foot long and one was three foot long. So I can't put two red belly black snakes in the same bag why is that they're cannibalistic so they'll eat each other so if i put them both in the same bag by the time i got home i'd only have one snake not two so for the snake's welfare i reached down i bagged the four-footer i try i reached down to get another bag but as i reached down i obviously took my eyes off the snake and i think i brushed its face along a bush or something so it's come up its own body and uh its mouth was open right near my index finger so I let it go and it bit me on the way down. Broke a fang off in my finger, um, but being a snake catcher, as you do, you bend down, you pick the snake up again. Uh, I saw two red dots of blood. Uh, so I bagged the snake, climbed over a six foot cyclone fence, put a bandage on, drove to hospital. But I wasn't envenomated. I had uh, venom on, on the outside of my finger. That whole process was interesting to me, as morbid as it sounds. When I got bitten, I was thinking, I'm going to find out about how the venom works in your system and all that sort of stuff and that might sound strange to some people but 
Not that I got bitten on purpose to find that out, but seeing as though I did get bitten, I thought I might as well find out. But it didn't actually eventuate like that. I didn't even get a headache or, or anything like that. With a with an eastern brown snake, when they envenomate you, they you have no local pain at the bite site. Zero pain. But with a red belly black snake, it's like 20 bee stings, apparently. So I had, I had venom on my finger, but not in my lymphatic system. Although the fang was dropped in my finger it didn't envenomate me or anything like that so you can get dry bites uh, there's wet bites and dry bites and a scratch or or certain things like this it was definitely a bite <laughs> so yeah it sort of didn't really eventuate but i found out about how they take uh, venom detection and things like that people will probably appreciate that it's like a pool hp test kit so you have a control and then they swab your finger with a cotton bud and then they dip it into each uh, of the six different segments so they test for taipan eastern brown snake death adder black snake and tiger snake so i had the similar proteins in a red belly black snake and a tiger snake one was stronger than the other but because i had the two snakes with me they were talking about giving me a polyvalene which is a mixture of all the five and i said but what if i'm allergic to death adder protein for example mm. so they just thought it was some random that picked up a snake and got bitten and i said no no no, i'm a professional snake catcher and i said if you like i'll pull the snake out of the bag that's in the bin over there in the recess because uh, it was quite a hot day so i didn't want to leave the snakes in the car so <laughs> i took them into the hospital with me and uh, they go what uh, snakes okay yeah there's two snakes in there and they're red belly black snakes like i know exactly what they are so anyway that obviously developed into a a whole other conversation for the next three hours but so they ask you a series of questions every two hours they take your blood every four hours and they take your blood pressure every two hours so that aspect was quite interesting but the short answer is <laughs> i've only been bitten once now you've also mentioned that your work sometimes crosses over with the police and the fireies so can you tell us why a snake catcher might be called to a police raid yeah, well, that's um, that's another obviously interesting part of my job. Um, I get a kick out of it. It's kind of has its benefits, if you like. You get to know the cops and stuff, and it's funny. I get pulled over from time to time when they recognise my car, and they say, "Hey, Sean, what do you got in the car?" You know, that sort of thing. But yeah, normally when people have um, drugs or guns, and they normally have illegal reptiles, they use it as currency. So they'll swap one thing for another, uh, whatever that may be. Then you've got the other side of the black market where animals are taken from the wild and then sold on the black market off license and things like that. So people will ring the police if they've got a snake. And generally uh, around here and most of most of Sydney police departments will ring me and just say, look, there's this particular snake or we've had a call for this. So I'll do it on behalf of the police so that they can catch criminals and I'll catch the snake. because. Police aren't trained to catch snakes. Fire Brigade are trained somewhat. They have a lot of um, WHS issues with, with doing that. They've got to have a lot of PPE gear and they can't actually physically touch the snake from a, a work health and safety perspective. But some of the raids that you go to, you know, you, there's, there's a forest of plants or a big bag of pills and there's sawn off shotguns and there's handcuffs and coppers everywhere and detectives and you have to go under the blue tape and all that sort of stuff. And it's. Yeah, you kind of feel important but there's been some tricky situations too i had uh, one situation that he was still in the bedroom where this enclosure was but the enclosure was locked 
and the detectives were trying to work out what was in the enclosure so when i got there i just asked him straight i said what's in there he goes why don't you stick your hand in there and find out i said well i would if i could get in there but it's locked i said so being locked that means there's something in there you wouldn't have a an enclosure that's got nothing in it that's locked i said i can break the glass if you want me to like i don't mind i'm gonna get in there one way or the other so anyway he gave up the keys and and it just had a bit of a fake background which is uh made out of polystyrene so i pulled that and the five foot red belly black snake came running out this guy was sitting in the corner of the bedroom and i had four detectives behind me until the snake shot out of the enclosure and through my legs so i reached down and grabbed it before it went anywhere when i turned around the four or five coppers were at the other end of the hallway they all sort of kind of had their hands on their tasers and their guns and stuff but so there's there's been some some funny things like that but we try to help the whole community and that's just another aspect of of what we do with the fire brigade with the fire brigade if they bag something that's trapped or injured or something like that it's not unusual for our neighbors to see the fire brigade turn up and they're dropping off something for me to deal with and uh and we just do that to help them out it's it's all interesting stuff for us and it sort of educates them as well at the same time so it is just such an interesting line of work now my next question is do snakes have personalities even the really venomous ones that a lot of people are terrified of as far as personalities go i mean yeah they all have different ones i can get i've had some red belly black snakes that are more dangerous in my opinion and more flighty and more aggressive than an eastern brown snake and vice versa so they definitely all have different personalities and their personalities can change depending on uh what's going on so if they're going to shed their skin they're a little bit more sensitive so they probably won't like to be touched or or things like that but you know i've got lizards that some are quite friendly some don't like being handled some do like being handled um i I guess it's it's like cats and dogs you know you can have the same breed of cat but one's friendly one's not one likes to fight with the other one one doesn't some are affectionate some aren't affectionate it's a bit like the humans too i guess so yeah people just think that they're just a standard creature that can't think for itself or anything like that they're very very scientific very sophisticated very adaptable like the eastern brown snake over years of evolution have become adaptable to suburban life that's why we encounter eastern brown snakes a lot more than we do any other species especially around the sydney basin because they're adapted to suburban life and then you know and they're being disturbed a lot by by the urban development and things like that that's going on and that's sort of what we're finding more and more of these days is they're being displaced so where you wouldn't have encountered that snake five years ago with urban development um, they're just ripping up the habitat so a snake is a snake is a snake generally it's just some are venomous and some are not venomous so that's they all pretty much do the same thing though so can you take us through the top five most venomous snakes in australia and also tell us what to do if we were to ever encounter one of them yeah okay yeah great question the top five in australia you have inland taipan which is a fierce snake so basically they are cameron's corner not a lot of people know where cameron's corner is but we have queensland northern territory south australia and new south wales where it all meets and that's cameron's corner that's traditionally where the inland taipan is 
Then you have uh, the eastern brown snake, which is all over Australia. And probably our most encountered snake, so which probably makes it the, one of the more dangerous snakes. Uh, coastal taipan, uh, which is number three. So more of a robust, probably one of our biggest snakes. Probably our snake with the biggest fangs from a venomous snake perspective. Then you have your death adder and your tiger snake, copperhead, uh, that type of snake. And then, you know, red belly is, is quite venomous, but there's been no recorded deaths from a, a red belly black snake since they've been taking records. And then usually pretty pretty good at giving you warnings and things like that most snakes will give you a warning most snakes are purely defensive and it, i mean if you come across a snake my my advice to most people is if you see a snake and you don't know what it is and you can't identify that snake treat it as venomous and don't go near it like i said before 85 percent of people are bitten trying to catch it or trying to kill it the other 15 percent is reaching in gardening playing golf and you're reaching to get your golf ball something like that errors standing on the snake uh, that type of thing so if you see a snake what my advice is keep an eye on the snake keep kids and pets away from that snake uh, back away from that snake slowly uh, any sort of sudden movements or anything like that just going to heighten the sense of that snake and they going to feel threatened we're a big predator to them step away walk away slowly if you can keep an eye on the snake and ring a professional snake catcher that's would be my advice uh, i wouldn't advise anyone to ring triple o triple o should be kept for emergencies i know it might sound like it's and it's an emergency if you've got a snake in your backyard but they then one it takes up that resource of triple zero and two they then have to ring a professional snake catcher to come out so that's the time frame so if you can ring a professional snake catcher straight up you're going to get information especially i mean if you ring us at australian snake catchers i'll go through some certain questions of what the situation is there geographically what's in your backyard do you have pets um, what colors the snake does it have legs all that sort of stuff which sometimes that happens um it's you know the brown snake's got four legs and a blue tongue but anyway just the critical things which is keep an eye on the snake if you can keep kids and pets away from it adults should know better and contact a professional snake catcher and the rest should sort itself out what about identification what sort of details are you looking for over the phone with someone to help you identify the type of snake that they've got on their property okay so the questions i try to work out like a color i mean black is black so there's no different shades of black it's just black so if it's black with a red belly it's obviously a red belly black snake uh, eastern brown snakes are a little bit harder to id because of the color variations that there's at least a dozen that i can think of you can think of every colored brick house in australia they'd be the colors of an eastern brown snake light brown chocolate brown orange cream silver slate gray all different some are banded some aren't banded so there's a multitude of different things so and just because it's a brown colored snake doesn't make it an eastern brown snake it can be an escape pet which is a children's python or a legless lizard or a yellow face whip snake things like that so there's certain different characteristics so an 80 centimeter snake if someone rang me and said oh i've got a brown colored snake in my backyard and and i say how how long is it and they say call it a meter 
a metre long. Even if it's 80 centimetres, people aren't going to get out there with a ruler, right? And I go, okay, a metre long. So a metre long eastern brown snake's going to be about as thick as your thumb, if not a 10 cent coin. Whereas a yellow-faced whip snake is only going to be as thick as your index finger or a 5 cent coin. So if they, I try to use coins or fingers because that's easy for people. I try to make it as layman's as possible. So, you know, does it have any other markings? Most, most of our venomous snakes are one color. So on the top, you won't generally see the bottom unless you pick it up. So copperhead's brown, but it's got a orange band separating the top of its body and the cream of its belly so uh, that's sometimes problematic because depending on time of year and location you won't normally always see that color it's a general rule i mean does it have legs i mean if it's got legs it's not a snake for (laughs) for a start so i go to many many calls that uh, eastern brown snakes that are blue tongue lizards and if you only see the head or the tail for example they all look the same they all still look reptile and people just automatically associate that with a snake and it's bad and all that sort of stuff there are a series of questions and and things like that and we can normally narrow it down if you can absolutely take a photo of it i can id it pretty much 100 percent that it's one or the other and go from there and then we can work out a plan of attack as to whether or not it's still there or if it should be there or shouldn't be there whether it's native non-native because i mean if someone rings me and says i've got an orange snake then that's a corn snake which is a south american snake and they're illegal here but very popular because of the bright colors and things like that so that's something being a biohazard that i need to go and get relatively quickly we got to prioritize sometimes with with what we do too so if the snake's inside the house I'm going to that rather than if it's in a horse shed on 15 acres because in a horse shed at 15 acres it's not an immediate danger to family members and things like that so so yeah we'll we'll definitely ask you some questions but yeah 100% if you can get a photo of that for for identification that's definitely the most uh, beneficial way to deal with that snake yep Okay, so then let's talk first aid. If I get bitten, what should I be doing first? Okay, so you don't need to catch or kill the snake. Obviously, you've got to try and get away from that snake uh, to some degree, but you have to keep as still as possible. So the general first aid for any snake bite in Australia and funnel web spider is pressure and immobilization. The venom of our snakes, our, our venomous snakes generally only have relatively short fangs so it travels in the lymphatic system not the bloodstream so you have your skin then you have your lymphatic system then your bloodstream and your bloodstream and lymphatic system float between each other so our lymphatic system is moved around by muscle contraction so the less you move the less chance you have of promoting that venom into your circulatory system so traditionally it's it's arm or hand injuries or or envenomations or lower limb so if you're walking through the bush you get tagged on the leg or you're reaching in to get something or you're trying to pick the snake up you get bitten right so there's been some changes lately uh, with, with the with the bandaging now the current situation is put a compression bandage so don't use a crepe bandage crepe bandages are like a white bandage traditionally 
and they're kind of a material funny material where a compression bandage is generally brown and elasticized so you only put it on as tight as you would for a sprained ankle so you would wrap the bite site with one bandage so if it's on your on your wrist just wrap one whole bandage around your wrist only as tight as a sprained ankle you don't want to cut the circulation off no no tourniquets you don't need to suck the venom out or wash the bite site or clean it if there's dirt and blood and all that just bandage straight over the top don't worry about all that then once you wrap that with one bandage start at the end of the limb so fingers to shoulder or toes to hip with another bandage and that's it and then keep that person as still as possible no fluids or no food or anything like that and ring triple o triple o have a lot of the resus stuff on the trucks now and if you go into cardiac or respiratory arrest they can sort that out because what you don't want to do from the critical point if it's on the arm you don't want it to go past your um, armpit because then it's in your circulatory system and likewise with your pelvis so if it travels up your leg and goes past your pelvis or travels up your arm and goes past your armpit then it's in your circulatory system and then it's harder to to contain and you're going to have cardiac and respiratory arrest and things like that brown snakes are neurotoxic venom so that's a brain related venom um, just for lay terms uh, red belly black snake if you think of blood is red red belly black snake is a blood related venom so it's hematoxic venom they have other toxins in them cytotoxins and myotoxins and i can confuse everybody with all the different ones that there are some are flesh eating some are muscular tissue destroying all that sort of stuff but for, as a general rule if you're bitten by a snake if you're bitten if you're not sure but you've seen a snake and it's lashed out or you've been scratched put a bandage on ring triple zero i'd rather somebody rang triple zero and it was nothing than if they didn't ring triple zero and something happened traditionally with a if you put a a snake bite bandage on or any compression bandage for an eastern brown snake you've got about 26 hours if it's done correctly so if you don't put one on though and you're envenomated by an eastern brown snake you can be dead within two hours so it's very critical for that particular situation you don't like i say you don't want to cut the circulation off you just want to slow down the lymphatic system from pumping that venom around the system in you can do that with pets and stuff like that too same sort of principle if if a pet's envenomated by a snake this is where we encounter this quite a bit uh, you don't necessarily have to bandage it but if if it's been bitten by a snake pick the dog up or the, it's generally a dog rather than a cat but it works for both in this example i use a dog so pick the dog up put the dog in the car drive to a vet when you get to the vet pick the dog up out of the car and carry it into the vet the more the dog moves around by you making it walk to and from the venom's going to move around the system and cause problems and things are going to happen uh, faster thank you that is really useful advice not only for humans but for pets as well so as we start to wrap up are there any type of urban myths or misconceptions that you'd like to clear up for us around these creatures uh yeah one the the obvious one is snakes chase you no they don't uh and that's traditionally um attributed to an eastern brown snake eastern brown snake has a more active defense than probably any other snake i'll get a bit technical but they are pseudonaja textilis which means false cobra 
So what they do, if you're in their personal space, they, my wife always says that they need about five years of psychotherapy because it's just that they're very flighty and very nervous snakes. If you're within five meters of that snake, it's not going to bother. But if you get in its personal space of about two meters, that snake will turn around, stand up, and because they only have relatively short fangs, uh, they open their mouth so that everything's ready to go for a defensive strike. They only have one way to defend themselves, and that's to bite people. They only have their mouth. They can't yell at us. They can't wave their arms or anything like that, uh, unless it's a cranky blue tongue or something, which would be pretty weird to see. But anyway, so they don't chase you. They might flee in the same direction as you. But then you have blue tongue lizards. If they bite you, the wound comes back every seven years. No, urban myth. It's hard to pinpoint one here or there or, you know, People have heard different things over the time. There's probably another one. Questions I often get are, can snakes climb? And yeah, all snakes can climb. All snakes can swim. Some choose not to. So it's very rare to find a red-bellied black snake or an eastern brown snake in the roof of the house because they are terrestrial creatures, generally. In 25 years, I've only had two red-bellied black snakes on a roof and they were chasing frogs. So... To say it can't happen is wrong, but does it happen very often? No. Eastern brown snake never found one on the roof. Other catchers may well have had that situation happen. So it's generally your pythons, your arboreal snakes that go in the trees and things like that. And they are traditionally more colourful snakes. Greens, yellows, that sort of thing. Most of our venomous snakes are, like I say, block colours. They don't have patterns per se. Banding, yes, patterns, like abstract patterns and things like that. No, they're generally going to be pythons and non-venomous. So hopefully that helps with some sort of ID and a little bit of snakes don't chase you. We're a predator to them and they are purely defensive creatures. Thanks, Sean. So what are you hoping the takeaway will be from our podcast today? And where can we find you if we ever happen to need a snake catcher? Our sort of motto I guess is information education and conservation so we're trying to get information out to people I'd rather inform people so they can keep their family and their pets safe that doesn't mean that you're going to go out and necessarily pick up that snake but if if people get an understanding of how they act and how they react to certain situations then you're in a better position to keep yourself and your family safe um, until I get there and it's even just a matter of okay don't go near it just keep an eye on it get the pets away from it then everybody's safe and it doesn't get out of hand you can find us we're basically on Facebook sometimes we do some media stuff and things like that but traditionally it's Australian snake catchers with an S on the end it's a cartoon logo snake so it's not very invasive for people that are scared of snakes and things like that purely on facebook there's a call now feature on there you'll either get myself or freya i try to tell people that if they can ring it's always better because if if i'm in the midst of summer and i'm doing 10 calls a day i might not see your facebook message because i'm out catching snakes and i'm driving to and from and and doing things like that we are more than happy to give advice over the phone information about certain situations how to deter snakes Uh, one thing i will say if anybody offers you a solar powered snake deterrent don't buy it 
because this probably goes back to the urban myth but don't buy it because you're going to attract snakes to your home the vibration is very mild and it simulates prey so snakes are going to come in and and actually investigate what that is and where the people put them around their house so don't ever do that nothing is a hundred percent but we have some certain techniques that that we can tell people and i'd rather people ring and ask a silly question there's no silly question when it comes to snakes but i'd rather somebody rang me and it was nothing than if they didn't ring and and something it was something and it, and it sort of went wrong don't be embarrassed if we work out it's a blue tongue lizard because everybody's learned something you can live in harmony with a blue tongue lizard in your backyard you don't have to worry that it's a snake they sometimes move like a snake but yeah definitely australian snake catchers on facebook we put up information posts education posts i try to go live sometimes so people can see what we do and how we how we interact with the the different cases we get but yeah head over to australian snake catchers on facebook give us a like and a share it with all your friends the road ahead is hopefully scaly thanks sean that was sean cade from australian snake catchers a truly fascinating podcast on the way out, Sean asked me to double check my bag just to make sure any snakes, reptiles, lizards, you name it, didn't decide to crawl in and hitch a little ride home with me. Thanks for listening to this podcast series, What You Didn't Know. Stay tuned for the next episode.